going to be here till it's over, till, till something happens. We're going to be here till it changes. Through cold, rain, rocks, gravity, it doesn't matter. We're going to be here till, some, till something happens. Welcome to Mike Check Radio, the voice of Kansas City activism. Uh, my name is Mike, and in the studio today, we have our three co-hosts, Carl Greer. Hello. Kristen Chow. Hey, everybody. And uh, Doug Greer. Hello. And uh, uh, start off the show, we're going to do the calendar. Uh, a lot of stuff going on this week. Uh, sounds like we have a whole week full of, of actions against Starbucks. Is this right, Carl? Yes, yes. It has to do with the uh, supply chain, once again, and uh, dealing with the paper cup manufacturer who also supplies for McDonald's. And so, yes, it is the Starbucks Workers uh, Union. Uh, All right. And that started off at the beginning of the week, and it's uh, going through the whole the whole week. This is IWW uh, local here in Kansas City that's kind of uh, 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 working on it. Uh, they, there were some people with the Starbucks worker. Okay. And so that's kind of how, um, Kansas city is, has been informed, uh, on the action and kept up to date. Okay. So if you want to get involved or keep abreast of what's going on, uh, go to IWWKC on Facebook. Yes. And, uh, we will also try to keep things up to date on our own Facebook page. That's uh Mike check radio on uh, KKFI. Uh, and the other thing that's going on is there's the Black Friday protests coming up. And I came across a website, and I do believe there are some people here that are working on doing a protest against at least one of the Walmarts. But uh, one of the things you can do is you could go to blackfridayprotest.org, and it's literally like you put in your zip code and it'll tell you like your closest Walmarts and let you know uh, whether or not there's a protest set up there and uh, gives you information about that protest if there's one set up for uh, your nearby Walmart. Like uh, I-40 and I-70 over there by Sterling and I-70, that would probably be a good one to keep an eye on. Yeah. So I don't know if they've gone through that website, but uh, yeah, from what I've seen on uh, Facebook, uh, there's a lot of people organizing uh, towards that. Uh, particular Walmart. So, uh, you know, keep up on that one. So uh, today's show, uh, Carl did a interview with uh, Teresa Bradsky. Am I that pronouncing correct. that right? From the Harvest Moon Festival. From the Harvest Moon Festival. And uh, it's an interview about uh, Native American culture and Native American history uh, throughout the U.S. Huge topic. Uh, a lot of good stuff here. But, uh, you know, this is just uh, picking out pieces and points uh, little clips, and uh, so we we definitely plan on having her on another time uh, to you know kind of keep going on this uh, topic. So uh, should we uh, uh, give this uh, uh, start this off? Do you want to introduce well, the first clip? Well, yeah, I just wish uh, Teresa safe travel. She's she's on her way to Indiana, so she's she was flying out today, oh, and okay. so we wish her a happy Thanksgiving with her and her family that she so dearly misses. All right, sounds good. Uh, so. Uh, for this uh, first clip, uh, what do you want to say before we start it up? Well, this is something interesting. You know, we're in Jackson County here, and uh, I was talking to someone the other day who thought 
it was named after Stonewall Jackson, the Confederate uh, general, who actually uh, educated slaves and had programs like that after after the war. But it, no, it is indeed uh, Andrew Jackson who uh, re- removed the eastern tribes west of the Mississippi. And so I think she starts out talking about Andrew Jackson and the removal of the Cherokee. All right. So here we go. We're going to cue up the first one here. Andrew Jackson ignored the Supreme Court of the United States, the only level playing field that we have in this country, if we are to buy into the premise as a whole. And here is the Supreme Court saying, Leave the Indians alone. Jackson ignored that and began the removals. One of the most frustrating things to me as I have spent the last 30 years of my life understanding why I feel as I do deep inside. Why do I become annoyed and angry? It wasn't until I hit about 60, I recognized that, not as anger, but a deep-seated rage, an actual rage. Our men have been considered lazy, shiftless, thieves, and so forth. It has taken years to overcome that image, unless it's a novelty. If you go out and you see Dances with Wolves, mind you, where you have white heroes. And Graham Greene talks about Buffalo. That becomes, and I have great respect for Graham Greene, it's not intended at him, but rather even at the imaging done in more contemporary time. Perhaps one of the more accurate films that I've seen is Thunderheart where John Trudell, who was one of the original AIM members, Russell Means, I say that with all the respect in my heart, and in aging years, he had been so beaten up by the system and couldn't speak without having his attorney present. Dennis Banks, another one of my heroes, the original American Indian movement, couldn't speak without having his attorney present for fear Fear. We had Clyde and Vernon Bellacourt, Carter Camp, and then of course we come back full circle to Peltier. Peltier was one of the many. When Wounded Knee was going on and the American Indian movement was coming into its own right, but what did it do? What did the American Indian movement do? It rekindled pride. Where? Everywhere absolutely everywhere. A sense of pride in a young woman who lived in Podunk Town, USA, Flint, Michigan. Outside the city at that, in what was basically a rural area, although it was beginning to change at that point, as many of our rural areas have. But what happened? It kindled fire. Peltier, who shares my birthday, has been in prison all this time. Other people are pardoned. Other people have reduced sentence. 
with all of the incredible outcry and all of the protests and all of the support for Peltier, he remains. Are we able to find other evidence? I don't know. I'm not privy to the legal components in his case. Do I believe that he did it? No. Yet again, recently, it's been another round on television, one of the documentaries. It hurts my heart for the heart of all Indian people because it impacts day-to-day -day living. All right, so that was uh, clip number one. Uh, Kristen, did you have uh, uh, any questions? Um, I just was, I don't know too much about her, and so I was just going to ask Carl to give, like, a brief background on who she is and, um, you know, why she's an important person. Uh, Teresa Bradsky knows many of the uh, uh, native chiefs of the Eastern tribes, um, Woman Mankiller, uh, Jim Gray, uh, these sort of uh, individuals. Um, I think what what makes it significant is where she, her place in time, where she grew up in Flint, Michigan, and this was the time of of, of the riots in '67 when that that began, and you, you had the students for democratic society culminating out of out of this area. Um, you had with her particular um, exposure was with the Rainbow Movement, the the Black Panthers. Uh, the American Indian Movement and the Brown Berets, and so we we didn't get into a whole lot of uh, history of, of what good came out of it, what bad came out of it. But it's, it, at this point, we're at the, what what the inspiration uh, of these groups did for for the young population at large in the late '60s, and that was quite significant. Right. Yeah. In listening to her interview today, I. Um, I thought it was really good, and I saw a lot of the elements of um, oppressed peoples um, that are evident, you know, across across racial barriers. I, what she talked about are some of the things that, um, you know, in the um, the '60s, you know, amongst Black people, the movement and the um, issues that they faced, and um, you know, the sense of pride that that movement gave them that she was talking about the Indian movement gave to uh, Native Americans. And it's funny, she mentioned um, Dances with Wolves. That's actually one of my favorite movies. And um, and I completely acknowledge the whole white savior, you know, underlying theme in that movie. But it was actually a movie that sort of caused me to lose my political innocence. Um, before then, I had never really thought about or explored um, the oppression of Native American um, peoples because, you know, we all know what we're taught in high in grade school and high school in the United States, and they really don't explore those, um, you know, the ugly side of, of um, you know, the conquering of the, of the continent. But um, that's interesting that she would, you know, mention that. And I think movies like that do serve a purpose in that it does bring to light some some issues that people like myself, you know, as a young kid, didn't really think about prior to seeing that. But Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of important names that are being dropped and will be dropped through this, through these clips. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I would suggest if you have an interest in this, you know, grab a, a pen and paper and write these names down because we'll just be touching on them briefly. 
but they're well worth the time to look into more. I mean, I think most people have heard of, you know, uh, Leonard uh, Peltier, but I mean, like Russell Means and uh, what with Dennis Banks, Dennis Banks, you know, so I mean, these are all very important people to the American Indian movement. So we should uh, check into those. Uh, should we go on to clip two or? Yes, let's let's do. All right. Uh, do you want to say anything before we put it on? Uh, it go up? ahead and roll it and we'll follow up. With All right. Here we go. For those Indian men who are stereotypically Indian looking, if one is there, it's a curiosity. If he happens to be cute or good looking, well, my goodness, it's a pleasure. You start getting three, people get a little nervous at a level that they don't even understand. Gordon Alport wrote a book called The Nature of Prejudice. His definition of prejudice is something to the effect that contrary to information and proof to the opposite, we hold a view. We have a prejudicial view in spite of evidence to the contrary. Are people afraid that one half of 1% of the United States will start Indian Wars again? And yet, they were so nervous many years ago, they mistook a ghost dance for a war party. The second Thanksgiving, of course, was along the coastline. There was a massacre, and then the pilgrims basically sat down and celebrated their victory. I happen to be Miami, Miami, and there's a book up here on the history of Indiana. Now, mind you, the Missourian people were all in this region. Everybody was mound builders. This is the history before the history, which is why the Shawnee, the Miami, the Kickapoo, the Wea, the Piankasha, Kaskaskia, the Ojibwe, we are all relatives. We are not as copper-colored, perhaps, as the Western tribes. We don't have quite the stereotypical look. The Delaware, a perfect example being Curtis Zuniga. Of course, Curtis is, is uh, Delaware and Asleta Pueblo. But still, there's, there is a look, if you will, unique to those of us who are of regions. There's nobody pure-blood anything. I want to go there real quick for a second first. Even people who tell me I'm 100% Italian. Well, I'm sorry, but Attila came over those hills or whatever they were. Okay, the mountains, whatever. Nobody is pure-blood anything. History has allowed for invasions and mixes and whatever. The creation stories are different from Native people. Today, I was reading something that references the medicine circle. American Indians are the only people who have the medicine people in the world. So it's a little tough when you're talking about the colors associated with the directions, when there's a consistency all the way from the Aleut Islands to the Taino Indians, it's awful tough to think that we're not all related somehow. We don't see the borders. The borders are irrelevant. 
the Mexican border means nothing. Aztec people, Yaqui Indian, are still Indians. They're still Aboriginal people. They're still American Indians. The Cree. There are Mohawk in Canada as well as Mohawk in the United States. How do you separate them? How do you say one is Canadian and one is United States? Well, that was covered in the United States Constitution way back when, in Article 2, Section 3, whatever. They addressed that because it states for economic purposes, the tribes and other foreign nations. That is our sovereignty. We have been recognized as sovereign. We are unusual people. We maintain dual citizenship. My grandfather was not a citizen of the United States of America. He was Indian. Therefore, he was too dumb or whatever to hold citizenship until 1926. These are the sorts of histories that we come forward with. So when we talk about Thanksgiving... And we talk about the varying areas. And we talk about who's Indian and who's not Indian. All of these issues that seem so important. And when I speak, someone will say, Oh, are you full blood? And I say, I am Miami. All right, and that was clip two. Uh, a lot of interesting things talked about there. Uh, I know I, the thing that kind of jumped out at me was talking about, I believe it was the Mohawk Indians, who are their their tribe spans from the United States up into Canada, and talking about, you know, what what borders or what uh, uh, what would you say loyalties are more important, like your country or your tribe. Uh, do you want to uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, Carl? Well. Um it's you know, it's believed that they didn't travel much. You know, mm-hmm. the Cherokees traveled from Maine all the way to Casa Grande, uh, Arizona, and you go you go, you know, across the country and you find bands, you know, of, of Cherokee. Uh, now with the with the Mohawk, you know, or at least with the the Pima, which would be on the Mexican border, there's they've been fighting this for quite some time. Okay. Some of them are, are, are Mexicans and they're illegals crossing over to visit on holidays, this sort of thing. Right. So, so the, the, the culture still survives in spite of the attempt to be uh, conquered by okay. whatever invading army. Right. And she was saying like, oh, go ahead, Doug. I just want to, I, I mean, ask you, I guess the, the people who create these borders don't ask the people who are living there if they're okay with that. So that's why you get these these groups that are just cut in half uh, so often, and it happens over and over again over the hundred, hundreds of years. Right. right. I mean, right. if you look at, at the, the technology of the Europeans, it was the wagon and the telegraph that really allowed them to expand the, the British Empire. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, around 1850 is when they started putting up borders. I mean, so we saw this in Africa, yeah. uh, for, for example. And so, yeah, these, these borders had never existed for, for centuries. And, you know, it would, it would take some... Then all of a sudden, <laughs> they're there. Right. right? It yeah. would take some cataclysm for them to move. Uh, Arizona, five, you know, thirteen hundred years or thirteen thousand years ago, was a huge lake, 
And so these what they call the cliff dwellers, when you, when you go out and see those, they, they were actually at lake level at one time. And so, the, so, so they were forced to move to the south, south, southeast. The, the sea level dropped 300 feet. Mm-hmm. And so you had the P- Piedmonts of, of North, North Carolina. And so I believe she'll, she'll talk a little bit more about the mound culture in this, this, this next part. But that was something that, that tied in the eastern, the eastern tribes okay. uh, were, were the mounds. Right. And, and there's some mystery as to what they were, but from best I could tell is it was a really a communication type of deal where they could see far away, smoke signals, uh, you know, for many reasons. Sometimes armies were were directed off these mounds, this sort of thing. Okay. And uh, I also noticed that she said, like, her, her father didn't have any citizenship, but she has dual citizenship? Well, that is—yes, that is, yes. So, yes. Is so, her, so she has tribal—her tribal affiliation still. And, and in blood quantum, by what—you know, blood quantum is what they do to measure horses, used to measure horses. I mean, it, it, that's, it's, it's about livestock. And so when people are saying, I'm, I'm 113th this and that— then yeah, how do they? The, how do they? Where do they come with? Well, up see, with this, those numbers? this goes back to are the gym scientific in well, any way. Well, it's no, not necessarily. No. I mean, now with DNA testing that we've yeah. had in the last ten years, but when but. the Jim Crow laws came in in 1850, hmm. this is when blood blood quantum came in. Oh, okay. And so, but I think what you were kind of alluding to is that the sovereignty of native um, of Indian nations, like they, I think legally they are considered their own sovereign nation within the United States and um, and I think they have the authority to confer citizenship upon their members and I remember a few years back one uh, sports team from one of the nations tried to travel to Europe and had some issue with their passports and it all went back to I think the authority to confer nationality upon you know the people within their their borders Okay. Well, yes, that's that's the most important issue is is to help the the nations have have their tribal sovereignty, and and to uh, keep the history intact. As, as far as as outsiders, that's that's the the most we could do to 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 help them with their with their issues. So, do all Native American people now have dual citizenship like uh, Teresa does? I mean, is that kind of the norm? Well, you have well, the citizenship of a, a U.S. citizen, and then the citizenship for your your tribe. Well, yes, yes. So, so she would would have uh, medical treatment at, at out at Haskell. Okay. And what she had told me recently is is is, is that the the, pharma- the pharmacy actually merged with the VA pharmacy system, hmm. which would probably be a whole another show. Right, right. Yes, you yeah. know, so yeah, so there is some some frustrations with with getting getting medicines and things like that, and sometimes getting. And she 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 actually has a, a autoimmune uh, problem, so um, lupus. Okay. And so so sometimes you know it, it's a, it's 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 a long way to Lawrence. You know, if if you have to get to emergency room. Okay. So, okay, one quick question, and then we'll move on to the next clip. Um, like, uh, this, uh, this, I'm kind of stuck on this dual citizenship. So which one would be, would she be primarily a U.S. citizen or primarily a, the, the citizen of her tribe? Well, or okay. is it? Well, she, if, if she was, like, on the Miami reservation, then 
you know that jur- she's in that ju- inside the jurisdiction. Once you're outside of of, of the res, uh-huh. which seventy percent of the Native Americans are, and and Kansas City, by the way, has the largest Native American population than any city in the United States. Okay, that's really And there's seventy nations from seventy tribes here. So, so once she leaves the reservation, now the problem is, 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 is we, we have this situation called rape tur- tourism down in Oklahoma. And so it's very difficult for, so, so if, if a white man is to go onto the reservation, commit a crime, it, it, for, for the longest time they could not prosecute on the, on, on, on the reservation. And so there's some laws that have changed a little bit in, in, in this area. But, but yeah, there's, you know, Violent crime is, is, is a very serious issue on the, on the reservations. Um, up, in, up in the northwest, up in uh, Doglala Sioux Reservation, you know, life expectancy is 40 years old. You know, uh, suicide is, is some, somewhere around 35, 40 percent. Oh, wow. Before yeah. the age of 25. So it's what Chris Hedges calls the the, the uh, sacrifice zones in his last book, Days of Destruction, Days of Revolt. But go okay. ahead and roll the next one. Yeah, we got time for one more clip. So here's uh, clip number three. Today, what's happening is the 576 nations and more, there are approximately 576 recognized by the United States of America. We identify ourselves, Diné. The Navajo are Diné. Navajo is a name someone else gave them. The Miami Indians are Miami. I'm not from Florida. The Seminole and the Miccosukee are from that area. And then you have the Alabama Cushada. I mean, let's go on and on and on and on. Okay, there's so many bands of Cherokee now. Yes. Um, you know, you're talking about Alabama in, in, in this area, and, 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 of course, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, being a sacred mm-hmm. uh, Cherokee land at one time. Still is. There's mounds there, from what I understand. And Tennessee. And I have seen places in Virginia, Rapidan, Virginia. During the Mississippian period, which, which was... Shortly before Columbus arrived, mm-hmm. it was a big trade center. Mm-hmm. And when when the Mississippian period collapsed, for likely the same reason the the Mayans and every other any civilization collapses. Correct. There's strife, struggle, food supply, economics. Economics, you know, existed before the Europeans came to America. Banking, if you wish, existed before European infiltration. If you close downtown and you open the power and light district, trade moves. It does not mean that that civilization collapsed. How many family feuds have you seen in the course of your lifetime, Carl? Do you think that every Indian got along with his brother or his father? So what would happen? Perhaps that band would separate and a new band would begin. It's like you guys go and do your own thing. 
I'm doing mine, right? This is how we live in peace. You do your thing, I do mine. I do mine, right. Because we don't want to kill each other. They're Pikawitha Shawnee people. Now, how many people know that? Where is that in your history book? Some of the finest people you'll ever meet. And what are they? They're a family. There are many bands. Life doesn't stop because you have a fight with your brother. Maybe it doesn't even mean that you don't love your brother. When one of my issues with what we're seeing in crime rates here, we have everybody stuck together in an economic cookhouse. We have the poorest of the poor. We have high school dropout rates of 90% of our students in Kansas City. So are we going to have social issues? This goes back to groups of Indians. What happened? The federal government came in 1836 and said to the Cherokee, you're out of here. It's trail of tears. Did that mean that they shut Kuala, North Carolina down? They didn't move everybody. No, they ripped the damn families apart. What are you doing when you're trying to destroy a people? You rip their families apart, don't you? And that's what happened. So there's Kuala, Oklahoma. Now there are those that are going to Tahlequah. In Oklahoma, you also have the Katua Band. John Ross was not seen as Indian because he was seen as... I'm not Cherokee. I don't know the history that well. What I'm getting at is these are family issues. When you tear families apart, it escalates and it exacerbates family problems. So what happens? Somebody goes and hides. There used to be a loyal band Shawnee. They're just called the Shawnee today. You know why they're loyal? Because they showed up when it came time. Because they were so beat up, the poor Shawnee were beat up so dang bad. They're starving and people are dying all over the place. So they had no choice but to be a prisoner. So they showed up and they got a prisoner of war number. What became known as a roll number was a prisoner of war number. Because the United States Department of Interior who issued those numbers, was previously the Department of War. You've been listening to Teresa Bradsky talking about Native American uh, history in the U.S. And uh, that wraps up our show. I hope you've uh, enjoyed it. And uh, please stay tuned for Counterspin coming up next. We're going to be here till it's over, till, till something happens. We're going to be here till it changes. Through cold, rain, rocks, gravity, it doesn't matter. We're going to be here till, some, till something happens.